the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. You'll know it. You may not know the reference, but when I read this, you'll remember. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Welcome to Exploring the Word. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarland. And it's our joy each day from Monday through Friday to open the Word of God and, and take your questions and do our best to give a solid biblical answer to them. So uh, usually, Alex, we have to ask, where are you today? And, but today, I don't even have to ask that question because he is seated right beside me. Welcome to Tupelo, Mississippi, Alex. Praise God. Today, I am ministering in the studios of the American Family Radio Network, and it's great to be here, brother. And a lot of folks say, you mean he's not there every day? Because uh, we hear that a lot. We you know? do. They think we work well together, and uh, every, when I don't interrupt you, when you're not through every once in a while, I, oh, I make listen. that mistake, and, and no. I think you're through or something like that, and I'll go on, but Alex, always good to have you in person, brother. Praise God. What an honor to be here in this very historic place where the, you know, I'm looking around the studio, the microphones, Devin's at the board, and uh, I just think about the way that uh, the Word of God and biblical truth has gone out over the airwaves to America. Uh, to the world right from right here in the studio but it's always good to be here and folks um, this is the show where we teach the word of God you know so much of the programming deals with news and current events which it should but this is the hour where we pull away from the noise of of life and we look at the timeless eternal truths of God's word and it has something to say about life oh well, always speaking of life you and I were talking earlier and uh, you and I both we have a pastor's heart we both pastored and yesterday, you did a funeral for a pastor. That, I did. That, isn't that a uh, privilege when when that opportunity comes your way? Oh, my goodness. Uh, folks, you've heard me reference a time or two, Pastor Mark Sink, S-I-N-K, Mark Sink. Bert, I'd been saved about three months when he came to Macedonia Baptist, and he discipled me. And I think about this, and the reason I wanted to share this, yes, it was my privilege to speak at Mark Sink's funeral yesterday, but every life touches so many lives. When I was in psychology uh, classes back in my master's program, they said that even a shy person, even like an introvert, will touch a minimum of 15,000 people in the course of their life. And somebody like maybe you or me that's kind of outgoing many times more. And Mark Sink, when he came to Macedonia Baptist, I was a brand new believer of just several months. I was single. I was driving a truck. By the time he left, about seven or eight years later, I was married. I had answered the call to preach. I was in seminary. I uh, had been baptized, licensed. And I, and I think about what a pivotal season of my life, you know, he came into. But all these people were there. Here's a country preacher, never made any headlines, never. On earth. Yeah, I bet it, the headlines exactly. in heaven are pretty big. You exactly. Know? Go ahead. And all these people were saying, uh, 35 years ago, Mark Sink invited me to church, and my whole family ended up getting saved, and, you know, marriages and children came along, and this one got called to the mission field, and on and on, dozens and dozens of people. Part of the reason I open up with that is that as we hear in Galatians 5, very familiar passage of Scripture, but you know, the Word of God promises in Isaiah 55 that God's Word does not return void. Friend, you have no idea the seed you sow is going to be used by the Spirit of God to touch people's lives. And, of course, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight says that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. And I give God the glory. Mark Sink invested in me. He invested in many others. And, Bert, one day um, up in heaven, there's going to be a day when we're going to see what really mattered. Now, we, we live in a culture of celebrities and influencers. That's a word now. They'll say so-and-so is a social media influencer with millions of social media followers. Let me tell you something. It's going to be a big eye-opener when we're in the presence of Christ, and we're going to see all of us what really, 
really mattered was not Hollywood and headlines, but the Lord Jesus and the gospel. That's what's eternal. And we want to dwell on that. We, uh, I'm going to use old for old phrase. We're going to go to seed on that. You know what I mean? Uh, come we're, on. we're going to yeah. make much of that. And in Galatians chapter five, we touched on verse 16, but we're starting there today. It says, I say, then this is what Paul is saying to them because uh, he had said the law will not get you there only through salvation by faith, by grace in the spirit of the Lord. So he says, I say, then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That walking in the spirit, I want to spend just a moment here, Alex, and then you comment if you would and go on. But what you remember that scripture in Amos, can two walk together unless they be agreed? There's a difference in being indwelt by the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. Being indwelt yeah. by the Spirit is the Holy Spirit coming and taking residence in our life at the point of salvation. Yes. It can be the baptism of the Holy Spirit at that point. There's phrases all through the Bible that explain that. But walking in the Spirit is you agreeing with God and walking with him. And uh, my wife, Jan, was in a marching band in high school and then in junior college. And uh, I didn't, I had no rhythm. I had nothing like that. But I was always amazed at the different times that they could walk and how they'd be in agreed in their steps. Same way with the military, staying in step, step in time. We're to step in time with the Holy Spirit, Alex. We're not to go on our own. We're to seek him. We're to seek him first, his righteousness, and he'll lead us. So we're to walk in the spirit, and we will not l fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, the flesh is not talking about our body. It's talking about our nature, exactly. our, our wayward, I'm going to use the word rebellious exactly. nature that we all have, Alex. Well, you know, the word for flesh there in the Greek, many people will know it's the word sarks, a variation. And, and there's a word we get, a burial vessel sarcophagus and it, something dead now paul has just throughout this whole book been teaching us that the works of the flesh are dead i mean they can't save us they can't impart life like the new birth through jesus christ and i think it's interesting that this word that speaks to a a, a coffin a sarcophagus paul says i say now walk by the spirit and you will not fulfill or not gratify the lust of the flesh the flesh is dead the flesh profiteth nothing. Uh, but you know what you were talking about, the tools. Are, are you a tool junkie? We've never talked about this. I have to tell you, I'm kind of a tool junkie. <laughs> Whether you use them or not, you get them. <laughs> exactly. Um, drills and saws and routers and ham. I just love yeah. tools. I do. And uh, Angie asked us sometimes if we go to the hardware store, she'll say, stay with me. Do not wander <laughs> off. My wife, <laughs> you know, don't wander off. But here's the thing. I must confess, I have tools that I really don't use. I would love to. I'd love to just pull away with the router and build something. I really would. Heaven forbid, though, that we have this tool in our life called the Holy Spirit, and that tool is left unused. I mean, and you say it, and you're right. At the moment of salvation, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But uh, we need to let that be the preeminent tool not us using God, but God handling us. One of my favorite quotes, and I've shared this, forgive my repetition, but things just mean so much. But Deal Moody went over to Scotland to do a series of meetings, and he did some preparatory meetings, and some pastor was skeptical and said, you know, who is this Deal Moody from America? Does he think he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? Pastor says, no, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on D.L. Moody. Amen. May I God that. grant that that's any of us. I love that phrase. One of the first biographies I read after I surrendered to saying, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do, was reading D.L. Moody's biography, and it, it really hit me, a soul. The, the one by his son? No, it was not. I, you may have got that. I can't remember right now. I've read two or three of them since then. Spurgeon, th those guys, they just bless my life. And, and here, notice what it says in verse 17. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. When I was reading that, Alex, I was thinking about salt and sweet. You know, the water, you, you know, you don't, they do not mix readily because uh, the, the salt will always ruin the fresh water, you know, ruin that. And here it says, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. 
He is bringing up that the Spirit of God in our lives, as you said, affects us in so many ways. And then what it does, it he works in us so much that he is in control, like the monopoly you said concerning D.L. Moody. And that's what we desire. I, I, I forgot which one of the devotional authors it says, but he asked the question, does the Holy Spirit have the key to every room of your heart? Or oh, do man. You, are Great you, word. Or, or do you have a room that you say, Lord, you got everything, but I want to keep my stuff in this room. You know, some people have a junk drawer. They have a junk closet, a junk room where they don't know where to put stuff, so they just put them in there. Listen, we need to give God the key to every area of our life. Nothing left off, Alex, nothing. Exactly. He needs to be in control of all of it. Well, Galatians 5.17, which uh, if we're honest, we all know what this struggle is like, but it says the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Now, some translations will say the flesh desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. What's interesting to me, if we could do a little bit of word study here, um, your skin is epithelial cells. And when the Bible says there in verse 17 that uh, the spirit struggles against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit, the word for um, wars against or lust against uh, is a word that's very similar to the word for skin, and it means to be on top of something. So really what Verse 17 is saying, look, either the spirit is going to be on top of you or the flesh. Right now, uh, evaluate who's on top in your life. Um, Is the spirit of God uh, in top position? May God grant that he is. You're asking tough questions, Alex. Better watch it I'm preaching at Alex here. (laughs) Uh, I remember my professor, I refer to him quite a bit. You can tell he made a big impression in my life, Dr. James Travis at Blue Mountain College. Amen. He's with the Lord now. But Is he? He was talking about the lives touched. Yeah. You know, there's no telling. But I remember he said, the spirit and the flesh are like two dogs. Whichever one you feed the most is the one that's going to win. And there's some the, truth the in that. That will be the dominant. That will be on top. That will be the one you go to. Amen. And so what you wanted to feed the spirit, how do you feed the spirit? He's going to tell us here in a little bit. And it, you don't feed the flesh. And he's going to get into two alternatives, the works of the flesh are these, yeah. and the fruit of the spirit is that. Now, notice the works of the flesh, not the works, not the works of, of the spirit, but the fruit we're going to talk about the difference in works and fruit when we come back. You can have a machine, Alex. Guess what? It can do work, but it can't produce fruit. Mm. A tree is not a machine. It produces fruit. He Amen. says for us as believers, we have the fruit. We need to have that, the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to talk about, but I love verse 18, as Amen. you said. Amen. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Is that talking about, I think it refers back to verse 16, led and walking. It's walking in agreement with him. It's not Amen. trying to get God to agree with me. It's me getting oh. agreement with God. Well, there, there's so much about the Christian life that really does mandate that we agree with God. The word repentance, you know, to turn from sin to Christ, but we have to agree with God's Confession assessment. is saying the same thing as God says. Lord, you're right. That's I'm right. a sinner. I need you. Bridget. Folks, this is Exploring the Word, coming to you live from the American Family Association, Tupelo, Mississippi. Burt Harper, Alex, stay tuned. We'll be more in Galatians 5 after this. This is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Allison Barkoff, Acting Administrator and Assistant Secretary for Aging at the Department of Health and Human Services. She provides advice on issues affecting people with disabilities and older adults. 1 Timothy 5 verses 1 and 2 reminds us of the importance of honoring our elders. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Allison Barkoff in her work at HHS. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. 
and we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. A hot stock tip could make you a few bucks, but the tip Dr. Tony Evans will share today can change your future, financially and otherwise. You'll find it in 1 Timothy 6, 6, as we spend two minutes with Tony. Godliness is a life that seeks to pursue pleasing God. Contentment is to be at ease and grateful for what you have until God gives you more. Okay? When the necessities of life have been provided, thanksgiving should be driving your life, not complaining. I know you're in an apartment and you want a house, but you are to be thankful there's a roof over your head. I know you want to graduate from hamburger to sirloin, but you ought to be thankful you're not starving. Godliness with contentment will give you, he says, not just gain, great gain. If you are ungrateful that needs have been met, and if you're not seeking to live to please God, you have set yourself up for great loss. Oh yeah, it's good coming in on the front end, but when it's done its damage, you're going to wind up with great loss and be a damaged person, not because you have money, but because it's turned into greed, which is the illegitimate use and presence of money. Learn how to spot and avoid the little G gods that Satan tries to pass off as the real thing. Check out Tony's CD series, American Idols, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We all love to hear good news, don't we? We all love to hear a good report. Well, Galatians 5.18 is some really good news for those that have trusted Christ. It says, but if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bird here. So honored that you're listening. We really, really are. And um, hey, here's a phone number. In a few minutes, we'll get to telephone calls. If you have a Bible question, it's 888 888- 589 uh, write that down and give us a call. We'd love to hear your Bible question. But Bert, you know, throughout Galatians, Paul has talked about the law can't save. I mean, if you want to go to heaven by trying to keep the law, uh, you better be very thorough, keep it all, even one infraction, and you have no hope. Plus, we have this sin nature we were born with. In other words, without the saving power of Jesus Christ. We're hopeless. We're lost. But Paul says, if you are led by the Spirit, and meaning you've trusted Jesus, you've you've allowed God to do that work that only the Holy Spirit can do to call you, draw you, regenerate you, make the dead soul alive, then you're free from the law. You're not under the yoke of the law, which couldn't save us anyway. Hallelujah. And and what that is talking about, you, you, and that's what he was talking about earlier, you started this way, why would you fall away from that grace that you're led by the Spirit in place of the law? And because he's going to bring up in the next verse, verse 19, the works of the flesh. Now, Alex, I tried to do it, but I didn't have enough time. When you look and compare works with fruit, mm. they're two different things. Works is what I produce. This is what I produce. Fruit is what God produces through me. You know, uh, I, that's the reason when you read here about the fruit of the Spirit, you can't help but go to the vine that Jesus talked about, abiding in the vine, and you'll produce fruit. Yes, more fruit and even much fruit. But let's look at the works of the flesh, and they're evident. And he goes over this list, and Paul's famous for his list 
Uh, Alex, he, he, exactly. He, I, he could have written the book of lists, you know, because he did, and he listed. And and some people have put it in different categories, the you know, the moral issues, the first part of it, the social issues, and then personal issues. And here, let's look at it. The works of the flesh are evident. They are observed. They can be seen. And he starts over this list, and listen to the first few that have a good bit in uh, in common, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, licentiousness, uh, those are all dealing with your moral uh, compass and what you're doing. And and so God's saying, and those folks that think that the, the you know, being saved and the liberty we have in Christ give us a license to sin, this is Paul striking a, a weapon right against those things. No. The fruit of the Spirit is not those things. Living in the Spirit's not. The whole idea, you do not live in that. That's not what we were born again to do, and we're not free, free to do what we want. We're free to do what we should or ought to do. Amen. And here he is saying these are the works of the flesh. Alex, uh, we as believers need to have those boundaries set up on us so that uh, we will not be you know, taken away. Have you ever visited the Grand Canyon? Oh, yes. Love it. And I know you went down in it. Did you go to the observation point to look over it as well? We we did. Did you notice they had rails there around it? They did, yes. Well, those rails there to harm you, to keep you from enjoying it or keeping you to be healthy. (laughs) Those rails are there because the park rangers care about the visitors, you know, to keep us safe. And you know, when, whenever anybody breaches that, and sadly, several times a year they'll be in the news, somebody goes over the fence to try to, to get, take a selfie. And they fall. <laughs> yeah. See, you know. Oh, I wasn't laughing at them falling, but trying to take a selfie. Boundaries. Yep. Boundaries are for our benefit. That's why we're, we're living in a culture right now that really, and folks, I want to encourage you to please pray for this nation. You look now just the, the very whisper that the Supreme Court might rescind Roe versus Wade, and people are rioting and people are threatening because uh, the the fleshly, unsaved culture does not want moral boundaries. But the good Lord sets up moral boundaries. That's why America— For our benefit? For our benefit, yes, because he cares about us. And, you know, listen, it was, yes, the Judeo-Christian worldview that built America. It was. The, the revolution, the founding of the country— it it was built on Christian principles. But, Bert, I would say what made us a great nation, the world's greatest nation, uh, for two centuries, technological achievements. America literally, in her prime, was a great blessing to the world, but it was morality. Even unsaved people lived right. I mean, there's always a few miscreants, but... Um, Folks, we're losing our moral boundaries, and we're paying the price for it. Now, let me read this list very famously, but you're right. Paul makes lists. That's why uh, the, the Apostle Paul is the preacher's friend because, you know, Paul's lists make for really good sermon outlines. But he says this, um, you know, when you're—and um, I'm going to read a little bit from the New Living Translations. New Living Translation, when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not— under obligation to the law of Moses. But when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Verse 19, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have told you before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this is Galatians 5, somewhat similar to 1 Corinthians 6. But notice this, Bert. First of all, you've got spiritual, well, you've got moral sins. Yes. Then you've got spiritual sins. Then you've got dispositional sins, your personality. Then you've got social sins. Okay, moral sins like sexual immorality, impurity, lust. Then you've got sorcery really, the spiritual sins, idolatry and sorcery and things like the occult. Then you've got disposition, being hostile, quarrel, jealousy, outburst of anger, no self-control, dissension, division. 
Then you've got drunkenness, wild parties. So these four categories of sins, listen, one of them or all of them, any of them will keep you out of heaven. Why would you want to try to let those things be present in your life? What do they produce? They produce that that man cannot forgive. God cannot forgive. And he says here, just as also told you in time past, those who practice, those who continue in these things, such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The whole idea is there's people. I know it says drunkenness. I've I've known some people uh, that, you know, they God delivered them. But in a crisis time, and we talked about this yesterday, how if you're not careful, you'll go back to the familiar, yeah. you know, and you've got to keep guard. That's what the Bible says, guard your heart. Yeah. Guard your heart. Even after you're a believer, you got to guard your heart and not put yourself in that position, especially when those old things. This is what the Galatians Christians were doing. They had been under the law. And now what happens after they've been set free and somebody comes along and they start telling them the different things or false teachers, guess what? They revert back to the familiar. Why, Alex? The familiar was the law. The same thought is true with alcohol, with uh, drugs. If you're not, you don't go back to the familiar. Stay don't. with God. That's the reason he said in verse 1, go back to Galatians 5, 1, stand fast in the liberty that yeah. God has called you. Don't go back to the old way. So all of these things, the works of the flesh, uh, Alex, or such, will not inherit the kingdom. Listen, don't don't practice them. If you're practicing them and you claim to be a believer, you need to examine yourself. You need to look at it. Probably need to be born again. You know, I think about that famous comedian, Robin Williams, very tragically, some years ago, took his own life. Very sad. Uh, but I remember just days before he committed suicide, he was on a show, and he he said, they said, well, what's going on? How's the career and all this stuff? And he said, well, I'm ashamed to say I fell off the wagon. He had been sober for like 20 years, and he admitted that he had fallen back into alcohol abuse and only days later took his life, took his own life, sadly. Uh, alcohol is a depressant. And like you say, going back to the familiar, that's why folks, and we're going to get to verse 22 in just a minute, but look, talking about which force within you is going to have the dominance, either the Spirit of God or the flesh, and because, listen, when we talk about, quote, the flesh, we are emotional, but we're also intellectual. I mean, there are things you know, but there's also habits, there's memories, there's uh, attitudes, and they overlap, and look, Bert, it's not hard to see how somebody who's apart from Jesus implodes or self-destructs because we, we think about things, we harbor all sorts of emotions, and look, emotions and thoughts produce actions. Every action, whether it's reaching for a glass of milk or getting in the car or shouting at somebody— Every action is preceded by a thought. See, emotions and thoughts give birth to behavior. Uh, and you think about it, every last one of us, listen, we better have the Holy Spirit leading us. Am we I better. right? We are. Let, let me say one last thing. That's why you need to be in church. That's why you need to uh, every day have a time where you pray and talk to Jesus because you need to do the things in life, cultivate the habits that will feed and strengthen the Spirit of God within you. Amen. Verse 22, what a contrast. And it uses the word, a contrasting word, but. In other words, opposite of that, contrary to that, the fruit of the Spirit. It's contrary not only in character, but it's contrary in the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, Alex. Mm -hmm. You know, what does an apple tree produce? Uh, apples? Oh, man, what does grapevines produce? I believe grapes. The believer. We need to distinguish between the gift of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Okay. The gift of the Spirit is salvation. With Apart from him, there is no gifts. Apart from the gift, there are no plural gifts. And here, let me just read those. You read the works of the, of the flesh. Um, hey, 
to counterbalance that, you read the works of the, the fruit of the Spirit, too. Would you do that? Well, verse 22 of Galatians 5, I love this passage. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Now, Bert, you and I, there's a month of preaching in that grocery list. <laughs> yeah, and and we're coming five minutes left. Let me just say this. How do you divide the fruit of the Spirit up? Notice it's not the fruit. Uh, the fruits of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit, okay? And here it is. Some people said the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and because of that love, these other eight elements spring from it. It is interesting. It is love. What does he say in 1 Corinthians 13? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. love. Here, it's important that love comes first. Even regardless of how you divide this up and look at it, these are characteristics of a person who has been indwelt by the Spirit, and now he is walking in the Spirit. He or she's walking in the Spirit, and God is producing these characteristics in us. Now, Alex, uh, this is not a smorgasbord. We're not to say, oh, I like this one. I don't like that one. I like this one, but I don't like self-control. I, I, I like kindness, but I don't like meekness. No, this is what the Holy Spirit produces in us, the fruit. And guess what about fruit? Fruit has its seed in it. So what does it do? It not only produces, but it what? Reproduces. So when people Beautiful. see this fruit of the Spirit in us, it reproduces desire in other people to have what you have. You have this peace that passes understanding. You have this calmness that, that is beyond description. This is what God wants for us to live by, but also to produce so others can see Jesus in us. Well, you know what? We've talked about this many times, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I've— said this so many times, uh, again, I apologize for repetition, but verse 23 concludes, against such there is no law. And I've said that, you know, people often say, well, you can't argue with it. Even sometimes a lost person will say, you know, well, they may not be a Christian, but uh, boy, that, that Bert Harper, that man is authentic. That guy's for real. People often said, you know, if, if there ever was a Christian, it was Billy Graham. But I want to say in verse 23, and this is a blessing, folks, uh, just like if you've got the fruit of the Spirit, you've got that love, joy, peace, patience, self-control. A lost world says, okay, you can't argue with that. Guess, guess what else can't argue with it? The law. Because if you look at this in the original language, see, the, the law of God, which flows from the righteous, perfect, unblemished character of God. God is holy. We're not. That's why we needed a Savior. And even the best person, the best human that ever lived next to God is still universally fallen short. But when you are born again, the, the Spirit of the Lord indwells you. The fruit of the Spirit is in your life. Guess what else has no accusation against you? The law of God. Yeah. Isn't that something? The law cannot produce these things. Hey, I, and I, I want to say this. I'm going to throw it back to you. It's one thing to be validated by the unsaved world. And the unsaved world says, you know what? Hey, Billy Graham's for real. Hey, that's fine. But if you're born again in Jesus, even the law of God validates you. There's no accusation against you, the born-again Christian. Know Jesus Christ. Seek him, follow him. Let him be Lord of your life. We're going to take questions. That number, 888-589-8840. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. It was a bad move. Target invited men who say they feel like women into restrooms and changing areas designated for women. They probably guessed other retailers would follow their lead, but they were wrong. 
Others saw that bandwagon was headed in the wrong direction. We're not ready to sacrifice the safety of women and children for the sake of progressive bathroom policies. Invite Target to make a better move. Sign the Boycott Target Pledge at AFA.net. The American Family Association presents the Marriage Family Life Conference 2022, along with a youth apologetics track. The Marriage Family Life Conference does not exclude children on purpose. It's It's built built in. in. We want families to come. And the thing is, if you look at what people who hate God are doing, they are going through great lengths to indoctrinate our children. Yes, And so this is a, a chance to be on offense. They're going to be equipped. You know, at the same time you're being equipped, we care about what's happening with our children. Please join us for this year's conference, July 7th through the 9th at the Bancourse South Arena in Tupelo, Mississippi. Register now at marriagefamilylife.net. Better hurry, though. Registration ends on May 15th. We're just looking for ways to help equip families for what's going on. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal and it will not fail. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A leaked draft opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito revealed that a majority of Supreme Court justices have preliminarily voted to overturn Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. The final decision on the matter has not been announced yet. However, should the draft opinion become the final decision, after a near 50-year battle, the era of Roe would be over. Authority over the care and treatment of the most vulnerable among us, unborn babies, would be decided at the state level, the way it should have remained all along. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Colossians 1.13. American Family Radio. Now, back to the Bible study you're listening to, Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. Praise God. Well, this is Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here. And the number for your Bible questions, we'd love to hear from you today. It's 888-589-8840. And we'll pick up on the conclusion of Galatians 5 tomorrow. And uh, Bert, it's good to be together in the studio. By the way, folks, AFR.net as in AmericanFamilyRadio.net. You ought to go on there. There is a lot there. Not only this show is archived, but all the great programming from airing the Addisons in the Hamilton Corner, and there's just uh, good content all day long, isn't it? All day long. Anywhere, anytime, you can go that way. Exactly. Hey, we got people that have already called in. You ready? Let's do it. Michael from Georgia. Welcome, Michael. Hey, guys. I wanted to bring up something from y'all's Easter episode. Yeah, go ahead, man. I I found myself crying in the truck, but uh, this happened to me a lot. But uh, Psalms 22, a picture across in Psalms 22. Yeah. There's also a vision of the cross in Psalms 18, and the first one through five is Jesus talking, and six through... 14 is where the father had the sky darkened for three hours from six night hour. And it, he shot right here. It says he shot out lights and thunders. And that's when that temple uh, curtain was split in half to my perception from the scripture. And then it goes back into Jesus talking um, in this Psalm, Psalm 18. So it's also a picture of the events of the cross. So I wanted y'all to view it and get back with me and see if it's true. Okay, Michael, listen, um, the, it is powerful. Uh, when you read this, uh, Psalm 18, again, very powerful. But we'll look at that. That's 50 verses in the whole thing. 
And I love what it says. Great deliverance he gives. Praise the Lord. Amen. He is a deliverer. And that's how he did it is on the cross, Alex. There was no other way for you or me or Devin or anyone else to be delivered apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, one of my favorite songs when I was a young youth pastor back in the late 80s, early 90s, some of you will remember the band Petra. And they had a, a cassette tape, if you know what a cassette tape is. <laughs> Petra That was Praise. after eight tracks, right after a, exactly, eight tracks. Exactly, eight okay. tracks. I'm old here. Uh, Devin might remember Petra Praise, and, and they, they had a very famous song based on Psalm 18. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. You remember that? I remember it, brother. And uh, <laughs> let me tell you, I appreciate the caller. And yes, let's you and I, will. I'm not sure if we've done it in our 10-year-plus trek but we need to revisit psalm 18 because it, it is incredibly powerful I, matter of fact uh this is true mike i was looking at it the other day and thinking we need to do psalm 18 i don't think we have and i was looking at that and i said man it's about two days worth so we when we record i think that's what we'll do we may go over that and and see what it has for us thank you michael and we appreciate you calling appreciate you listening Let's go to Texas and talk to Samuel. Samuel, welcome. Yes, um, good, good afternoon, um, Bert and Alex. Hey, I just wanted to ask one question to make sure my understanding is correct with Galatians 5.18, um, where it says if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And the question I have is related to that, and I'm, I'm thinking back in Ezekiel, when it talks about that he gives us a heart, it takes away a heart of stone from our flesh and gives us a heart of flesh and put his spirit in us to cause us to walk in his ways. And the question I have is, is the, the fact that um, you're not under it is sort of like, and I, and I like Alice's analogy when he brought the point up about the fact it's for our good. I mean, doing something for our good, and that's been the paradigm shift that I had years ago to say that he's given us a way to live. Is it not wise for us to walk in his ways? And not just that, but he's equipped us to walk in his ways through his spirit because it causes us to keep his commands. And I just wanted to make a good, get a good understanding of that, if that's on the right track. It's sort of like when, for example, where we have laws in the land, like speeding laws and different things for the land, and a person is not doing it because the laws are there. The person is doing it because what's inside of them that causes them to do it. And so I just want to get your take on that. Well, God bless you, and thank you for listening, and I, I think you're right. I'm glad you mentioned that, Ezekiel 36, 26, about getting the new heart. The The heart of stone is gone, and when we're saved, we have a living heart. A heart. Ezekiel 36 says a heart of flesh, but it really means a heart that's alive. And so to your question about Galatians 5, 18, you know, it says um, those that are led by the Spirit are not under the law. The way that the... Greek really is written, it says, has no obligation to the law of Moses. Isn't that something? So we're, we're made alive. I often say this, Christianity is not a religion. It's not ritual. It's not religion. It's a relationship, and it's a reality, isn't it? I've had people say to me, Bert, they'll say, um, you know, Alex, I know you're very religious. Well, I'm not really, because... I mean, I go to church, obviously, and I love to do that. But no, when you're a, a born-again person, you have a relationship with the true and living God. That's why Paul said, and the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is in us. Uh, Samuel, you're on the right track. Yeah. Uh, he has changed us. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember LBJ. Lyndon Baines Johnson, the war on poverty. Now, that okay. was before your time, but that's okay. what it was called. And he was taking individuals out of their circumstances, hopefully putting them in homes and, and apartments that were much better than the shanties they were living in. And guess what? It wasn't long before what they put them in was back like it was where they came from. Why? You can change the outward parts of man which the law worked on. The law worked on the outward, obeying the law. What the Spirit does, he works from the inside out, producing that, and he puts it in us. That's the indwelling part of the Holy Spirit. So, Samuel, you're right on, man. And yeah. what you shared about Ezekiel, 
give us, uh, take away that heart, that stony heart, and give you a heart of flesh. It's not talking about the same kind of flesh. It's talking about a, a heart that feels, a heart that lives. Yeah. See, the stony heart's dead, but that flesh, it's alive, and it's spiritually alive. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was just reading uh, an article about, you know, sometimes people, they'll sarcastically say somebody is so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. You've heard. But in reality, this one historian I was reading said it's the people who are heavenly minded who have precisely done the most good <laughs> to transform the culture. You and I have talked about it and we need to go to the next caller. But look at all the hospitals that were started all the child uh, taking care of orphans that were started all of the yes guess where it started from alex church christians yeah, exactly. believers yeah. and uh even education education early on in yeah. america why did they start harvard and yale and princeton to educate the pastors and missionaries to reach them and you know when, when lives are transformed the transformation of culture follows. It does. Hey, thank you, Samuel. Let's go to Alabama and talk to Guy. Guy, welcome. Hey there. How you doing? Doing Good. well. What part of Alabama are you from, Guy? Mobile. Okay. Oh, Love yeah. Mobile. Down on the water. Down, Down on, on the water. Course. Yep. Um, on your on your podcast, uh, uh, April 29th, which was two, I think, two weeks ago, Friday. Uh, y'all were out and was just airing the podcast without anybody being there. And uh, Bert said that at one point in the podcast, he said, did God create evil? No. And then you said, no, he did not. And uh, I want to uh, ask y'all, do y'all have a Bible in front of you? Mm -hmm. Got it, man. Okay. L look up Isaiah 45.7. Yeah. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Is darkness and calamity okay. evil? That's the whole question, Alex. Yeah, um, let me just say this. God doesn't commit moral evil because that's sin. Now, he allows some things to happen for his purposes. This is a fallen world, and we've got what's called natural evil, like tornadoes and earthquakes and things like that. Uh, and then people do moral things. But what we know is while God might allow something, I mean, God could have, there was a, a shooting in the news yesterday, but people have free will. And while God did not cause it, he did allow it. But one of the beautiful things about the sovereignty of God, we read this in Genesis 50 with Joseph, what, what man might have meant for evil, God can turn into something good. So, so because of his eternal nature, God doesn't sin. Well, his righteous nature, his word, a lot of reasons. But God doesn't, won't, can't sin. Sin brings death, and God is eternal. And if there was sin in the nature of God, he would have ceased to be God, which is impossible. So when man sinned, evil in, entered into the world... And and so I, I came up with this, and Alex, you and I have talked about it a little bit, is if a person, individual, loves God, there has to be a moral uh, uh, choice there. Love, you remember it, it was uh, the two psychiatrists that wrote a book, Love is a Choice, mm -hmm. and it is. We've romanced it and everything, but love is a choice. God first loved us, then we loved him. But Adam and Eve, when they sinned, the Bible talks about what came into the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and when there's a possibility of choice, is there a possibility of evil? Well, absolutely. Does and, that mean that evil was created by the one that gave the individual the ability to choose? No, not necessarily. That doesn't necessarily follow at all. Now, God gave us the possibility of choosing wrong, which we've repeatedly done. It also gave us the possibility of choosing right. Let me just say one last thing about the Isaiah 45, 7. Look, as much as I love the King James Bible, and I love the King James Bible, this is one of those where it says, I uh, create light and evil. The wording there is very careful. Um, the word that it, the, the King James Bible translates create is really the word shape. And the word evil, it's not sin or moral evil, but it's the word calamity. 
Exactly. Hey, think about this. It says God creates light, which we know, and shapes calamity. And there's an idea here, and I don't want to read too much into the text, but look, something happens, but God does something good with it. Amen. So based on all that we know of Scripture and reasoning, we know God is not the author of sin. God, God couldn't be the author of sin. Okay. Thank you so much. We want to go to Louisiana and talk to David. David, welcome. Good afternoon. God bless you both. I've been listening to you about a year, and uh, it's always a pleasure. Well, thank you, David. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I just wanted to share something with you guys. Uh, it, it hit on somebody yesterday, and I'd heard uh, some of the last uh, two Sundays, my pastor was talking about the prodigal son. And uh, you know, the son came home, and I just want to say this for anyone that's listening. It's a word of encouragement. Uh, brothers and sisters, it's never too late to come home. It's never too late to come back to the church. It's never too late to come back to your beliefs. Because Satan is such a deceiver, he'd like you to believe that you can be separated from the love of God. But that's not possible. And there's still a chance. There's still hope. And for those of you that seem like that there's there's just uh, too much that's happened. That's just deceit from Satan. And uh, I just wanted to say that. I felt it on my heart that if someone's listening to that, that um, just just know that it's never, ever too late to come back to God or to come back to the church and come back to what you know is right. Bless you, brother. That's a good word. That's a good word. Bert, maybe somebody's listening right now. Some people need to come to the Lord. There might be somebody listening who today's your day to come back to the Lord. The Bible says God is faithful. He will abundantly pardon. Come on back to Christ today. He's as close by as a prayer. Speaking of prayer, let's pray for them. Lead us, would you? Father, I thank you that David would have this heart for you and have this heart for others. And, Father, I pray that on exploring the word, Alex and I, every time we open your word and we share, we will be that invitation of coming to Christ, coming home, turning and repenting and turning to you. We're reminded of that prodigal son when he came to himself, when he looked to see what his decisions had come to in his life, he said, man, my father's servants has it better than this. I'm going to arise, and I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going to tell him that I've sinned, and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Take me back. And, Father, he, let, he got out of that pig pen and made his way home. Father, for those that are out there feeling like, as David said, there's no hope, I pray that hope would come and penetrate that mask that they's put on, that shield that they've put up against God, and you'd break through and bring them home, that they would turn to you and love you. And, Father, we thank you for the possibility, and we're asking that you'd bring many who are listening back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alex, we don't have a lot of time now. It's hard to go to a call with less than a minute going. But Mary asked, are we in the time that Christians will be persecuted Listen, the whole idea of Christians has been persecuted since the day of the church. She's asking, is it going to be worldwide? Is it going to be in America? It's We've got brothers and sisters in China, North Korea, and Northern Africa. Man, they're dying in, for their faith, Alex, right now. I'm just going to say this. Here in America, we don't have the home court advantage that we once had. It, it, it can be costly to speak up and stand up for your Christian faith these days. It will be, but we need to. Notice what it said in Galatians 5.1, stand fast. Stand fast. Stand fast in the liberty. He'll give you what you need when, when you need it. Amen. Folks, thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. And it's a big season of ministry at the American Family Radio Network. Go to the website, afa.net. Check out all that God is doing. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.